I'm Madison Donor, a recovering journalist. And I'm Dion Broxton. I'm still a journalist, and you might know me for this. Oh, no, I ain't messing with you. Oh, no. We created this podcast because we wanted to show you how this dream job can sometimes turn into a nightmare. I'm getting paid more, working Monday through Friday, no holidays or weekends. I feel valued. I feel respected. Navigating the post-news world can be scary, but well worth it. We have Brian Spiros joining us today to talk about what it was like to leave the industry after 12 years and how he's still using all his TV skills in so many great ways. First, what is your craziest story, like craziest thing that's happened to you on the job when working in news? But we'll have to wait till the end to hear it. Give us a synopsis of your journalism career, what made you want to get involved and how it was going, what you expected it to be, what it wasn't? Um, so when I was a little kid, I always had a passion for two things, aviation and broadcasting and slash journalism. And in high school, I decided my junior year that I was going to, um, to flight school. And I went, I wanted to be an airline pilot. And I started two weeks before September 11th. So the industry wow. just bad place. Came home decided to pursue broadcasting um, and home is Connecticut. And um, I did, and I ended up getting an internship at the local CBS affiliate um, in Hartford. And at the end of that internship, um, because I had proved myself during helping to write and do a lot of things, they offered me a job as an associate producer. And I got the job as I was going into my last semester of my senior year. So before I even graduated, my foot was in the door at a number one TV station in market number 30, which I thought was like a big deal at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, I was there for two years and I wanted to transition to be on air, which is what I had always wanted. I always wanted to be in front of the camera and tell stories. And when you're sort of, in the infancy of it all, you expect that it's going to be glamorous and just like you see on TV and being at the network, like, you know, just everything. And I had always said I wanted to sort of be on the Today Show one day. That was like my aspirations, right? You guys yeah. do. Yeah. And um, so I got my first on-air job in Maryland, um, in Salisbury, which, Dan, you're probably familiar with being from Maryland. So I was at WBOC-TV there. I was a bureau chief. I was a reporter. Um, and uh, it was tough because you're not making a lot of money at all. Um, I remember I applied for a few jobs. And one of the jobs, it was in Texas. It paid $17,000 a year. Like, wow. I know Texas is like a little cheaper to live, but who can survive on $17,000 a year? So thankfully, Maryland was more than that, but not by much. Um, and, and WBLC is a pretty good starter station, too. Yeah, it was. a. I I loved it there. I mean, they're a small market. It was like market 140, but they operated like they were market 14. I mean, we had a helicopter. My first ever TV live shot was in a helicopter. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. So it was just great. And it really kind of set the bar very high. Um, and I was there for two years and, you know, it, it wasn't always easy because the area I was covering for news was sort of in between the Salisbury and the, the, uh, Baltimore news market. And so they really were just kind of used to, um, the newspaper, the local newspaper there, and they didn't want to know nothing about TV. So it was a struggle to really make contacts and to like pitch stories. I, I could, I hated pitching stories. It's like the worst thing in mm -hmm. TV. Um, I and agree. I, I, yeah, it's 
hard. And so I stuck it out for two years. And after that, I was kind of wanting to go back home. My wife and I, she moved down there with me. She's from Connecticut. We were getting ready to move back home. And the station started a sort of lifestyle slash talk show. And they asked me to be on it as a correspondent and a co-host. And I said, yes. So I stayed there for another two years. Um, got a lot of great experience doing lighter things, which I think lends itself to be able to do the hard news, but the lighter stuff. And after two more years there, I was, so I was at WBOC in Maryland for a total of four years. It was time to go home, um, because my wife and I wanted to start a family and I ended up getting a job at the ABC affiliate in Connecticut and New Haven. And I came back and I ended up being um, for six years there. I was a reporter and I was the weekend evening anchor. And I would anchor a lot of the weekday shows as well as the fill in. And after six years there, you know, I just really started to kind of, you know, take a look at my life and where I was at and what I wanted for the future. By this point, my wife and I had two little kids. And that changed everything for me because suddenly my job wasn't the priority anymore. It was my family. And I loved what I was doing, but the industry was just changing the demands, you know, raises. I worked the morning shift during the week when I reported. So I was up at 2.15 in the morning. And I would I work. I worked the morning. Yep. I was morning reporter, fill and anchor. And oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's I can't worst. even imagine that with two kids. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it would be rough. And like they, you know, I would get up to go to work and like my wife's up with the kids and they're crying and I'm like, sorry, I got to go to work. So I would even, I was a zombie because I was up helping her throughout the night. So it was just, um, it was a lot. And then I finally kind of said, you know what? I, some things had happened and I was like, I think it's time for me to sort of take my skills elsewhere. So that's kind of sort of my transition. I spent a total of 12 years in the business um, from starting, starting with my internship up until I, I left in March of 2020. Wow. What, was there a specific, uh, breaking point? I know kids were involved, but was there a specific incident where you started thinking, you know what, this just isn't for me anymore? So I was getting to that point about a year or two before I left where I was, it was becoming difficult because I was working the, there, there was a couple breaking points. So I was working weekend evenings anchoring and it was hard because I would go to work and my wife would be going with the kids to family parties and birthdays. And I was missing out on that stuff. And it really was starting to hit me that like, I'll never get these moments back. But for the longest time, you know, my management was saying that they were sort of grooming me to become a next generation main anchor. And so I said, look, I'm in my home state where I grew up. I just need to stick with this. There's something bigger for me on the end. And I kept doing that. And then our station got bought out by a larger company and all new management came in. And I think we know what happens when it's kind of like seals the fate for many people because new management comes in. They want their own people. They have their own ideas. It doesn't matter what position you did and how beloved you are. If they don't like you doing this show or that show, they want you out and they switch people around. And the new management came in and I stayed in the positions I was in, but I could just tell that I no longer was on that trajectory that sort of I had been promised prior. And Really, I think the biggest piece of advice I have for people in this business is to trust nothing, because even though you're promised something, there's no guarantee you'll ever get it. 
And so that was a huge setback. And suddenly I wasn't being utilized as much to fill in. And suddenly they were pushing other people ahead of me who they brought in from other TV stations who the management worked with elsewhere. There was that. And then I think the other big thing for me was those of us in TV know that February, May, and November are the big sweeps rating months. We're not allowed to take time off. And my son was born in February. So I couldn't help that he was born during a ratings period. And my previous news director always gave me off his birthday when we would celebrate his birthday. And I put in for it in the beginning of 2020 and they denied it. It was the new management. And I kind of went to them and I was like, hey, it's my son's birthday. Like, I always get this off. They've always made an exception. And they're like, no, you you have to work. They're like, have his birthday then on a weekday, which I was very upset by. And it was a couple of weeks later I went in for my contract, my contract was up and we went in to kind of talk and the news director looked at me point blank and told me, he's like, first, I'm going to bring up you requesting off your time in February. Your son's birthday is an inconvenience to the news industry. And when he said, I was like, it took everything in me not to get up and literally just go at him. Yeah. Flip the table. Yeah. I'm like, you like, don't attack. Don't talk about my family that way. Like my son And I knew at that moment, I was like, this is just not going to work anymore. Being pushed aside, you know, the it's a hard business as it is because you're constantly entrenched in the negativity of the news and all the bad that's happening in the world. And I don't know if this happened to you guys, but like you start to like inherently take that on emotionally. And it's very difficult when you're at shootings and murders and house fights. Like it's hard. Yeah. No, it's ab- yeah. it's ab- it's absolutely hard, and a lot of people don't realize like you take your work home with you, and it takes a while to like actually process it because then the next day it's like oh all right new story, and you're like wait I was just covering a murder or a house fire like wait yeah it it it, it wears on you um and so that meeting when that comment was made about my son immediately started to go south. I was told that um. I was basically ripped apart my job performance and I don't like to speak highly of myself at all. I'm, I'm very modest, but I was really good at what I did. And I took such pride in my work because it wasn't just my home state, my family, and my friends were watching and like, yeah. I took pride in knowing that and they ripped apart my work. The news director did. And then he told me that I always looked disheveled on air, which was the furthest thing from the truth. Every like people I tell that to, like till this day are their jaw drops because they're like, you always were so like well put together and groomed. And the reason he said all this to me was he then handed me a contract and said, you're on performance review. We're giving you just a one year contract with no raise. It, wow. They were validating them. And, and I would have had more respect if they just said, look, we can't give you a raise. Here's a contract. Yeah. And it was at that moment that I said, you know what? I, I can't do this anymore. I can't live in limbo every year wondering if I'm going to be renewed. I don't want to, you know, wait until I'm in my 50s and I have kids in college and they can me for no reason. Because we know in this industry, people get canned for no reason because you're making too much or someone doesn't like you in, you know, being the main anchor of the evening shows. And I just felt like there was so much uncertainty. And with a family and a wife and a house, like I said, I need to find something. Stability. That gives- security for the future and so it was at that moment that I said I I have to get out so good good for you though because a lot of people would probably have taken that contract and been like oh all right well I want to stay in this industry uh all right I'll keep working at it 
Yeah. Like exa- it's, it's hard to like actually just accept, like say, okay, no, like accept it and like walk away from it. Right. And it was hard. And then also two days later after this had happened and I, I was, I, I got very depressed. Like I felt like I had a target on my back at that point. Like they were trying to push me out. And when you see it happening to other people over the years, you're like, I hope that's never me. But then when you're in that position, you're like, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. But news director called me back in his office two days later. And he was like, I think we got off on the wrong foot. And I, I blatantly was like, no, you got off on the wrong foot. Like you're the one that came at me. And he then said to me, I need all my best people on the weekday mornings to help bolster the morning show. How would you feel about moving to the weekday mornings? And I'm kind of like, you ripped me apart two days ago, but now you're saying I'm one of your strongest people and you want me full time Monday through Friday on the morning show. And I said, and you're basically telling me you're going to take me off the anchor desk. And what I found out later was that we had a photographer coming from a different state. And he had a girlfriend who was on air and he basically, from what I heard, allegedly said that he would not come to the station unless they gave his girlfriend a job. And so they were trying to push me aside to give her the anchor slot. And I was just so infuriated by that even more because I'm like, here I'm from this state. Like I'm born and raised here. And you know, in each state, like people like watching people who are from there and there's a connection. You're not just passing through. And you're going to push me aside for someone who, you know what I mean? For Who's just like, let this person come in the door first and like earn that position. You j- And at that point, I told him I would think about it. But then behind the scenes, I was already orchestrating my exit strategy. Yeah. I don't you agree? Don't you agree that when you're a hometown person, management will try to get over on you because they know you want to stay home and they feel like you won't put up as much of a fight because you want to stay there versus someone who's free to just go anywhere they want. Yes, I agree with you because they, they kind of hold you over a barrel, Dion. They kind of know that like you're here, you're rooted, you have children, you have family, like you're not just going to get up and leave versus someone who's maybe not from here. They're single. They have the ability to just pick up and go rap quickly. I, I agree with you. They kind of know they have you cornered. Um, So there's pros and cons to it all. What are you doing now? So, let me tell you the story about how I got to interesting. So in the midst of everything going on in January of 2020, um, I basically here in Connecticut, one of um, our main TV anchors who many of us grew up watching, her name was Denise DeCenzo. She passed away unexpectedly at 61. She had a heart attack at home and she died. And I worked with her when I was at the CBS affiliate as a, as a producer. And she was a huge mentor of mine. And it was just the whole state was in shock. And I had actually gone to the funeral and I ran into one of my former colleagues who I worked with when I was a producer and she was working for a healthcare company in Connecticut. She got out of the business and she was like, I love it. It's wonderful. And I said, you know, I've been thinking over the last few years what my plan B looks like. And if anything comes up, let me know. And it was literally a few days later that I had the first contract negotiation. And then a couple days, two days later, was in the office with the news director. And he kind of said, oh, I want to move you Monday through Friday. And I felt hopeless. And do you know, it was that day that I went on Facebook and my friend who I saw at the funeral sent me a message and said, we're hiring for a communication specialist. I think you should apply. And I immediately submitted my resume and I had an interview a few days later and I went through a series of four interviews 
And meanwhile, the news director's asking me, where's your contract? You need to sign it. You need to sign it. And finally, I got offered the job um, in healthcare. And literally, I got to call the news director that day. And I was like, hey, I've um, been really thinking on it. And I'm not resigning. I'm giving you my two-week notice because I knew I had another job lined up. That all transpired in the span of just two weeks. Which Everything uh, happens for a reason. It does. It I does. truly believe that. It really does. And so I'm basically working for um, a large healthcare corporation here in um, Connecticut. We have eight hospitals and I oversee two of them. Um, I'm a marketing manager. Um, I oversee communications and um, I have been able to do so many things with this company. I literally brought all of my TV skills with me. Um, I do patient stories. We have integration with all the local networks. So all of my stories are on TV. I'm still on television. They built me a studio um, in my office where I do Facebook lives and interviews with doctors for television during the, the broadcast on the TV stations. I'm moderating panel discussions in front of 250 people with a panel of six doctors. Like, I literally am in a job where every skill that I acquired over 12 years came with me. I'm getting paid more. I'm working Monday through Friday, no holidays or weekends. I feel valued. I feel respected. They invest in me. I've just received a promotion a couple weeks ago. I it has opened my eyes to the fact that there are so many corporations and businesses that value the skill set journalists bring to the table and there's jobs out there and you have to be proactive. You have to look, you have to network with people who are out of the business. But I literally professionally, I've never been as happy as I am right now. What do you say to the people who love journalism and want to do it, but it's hard for them to give up? Yeah, it was it was difficult, you know, for me, especially when you've known it for so long. Um, I would say to them that if you are genuinely unhappy and you feel like it's just not the right fit for you um, to start looking and to look for a job where you can still bring your journalism skills. So many companies want their story told. They want to talk to their customers or to their patients and, and they want that to get out there because it's promoting their brand. And you can still do those things. It may not be as flashy as television is, but you're doing stuff that's just meaningful and you can still utilize all of your skills. And I think that's really important. The other big thing you also have to ask yourself is, is your unhappiness because of the market you're in now? You know, I used to talk to my wife and I'd say, well, what if we move somewhere else? And my wife would say to me, but I feel like no matter where we move, these problems are still going to exist. Like it's inherently an issue in the industry. It's not just where you are. We could move, you know, to Massachusetts or to Florida or to Carolina. You're still going to incorporate the same issues of, of the business. And so I think if people are realizing, you know, if they're not happy where they are, then possibly another station may help. But if you realize going to a different station is going to the same problems are going to present maybe it's time for you to start thinking about that plan B and coming up with something else. Do you miss and it? So there has not been one day that has gone by. I anchored my last newscast and said goodbye on March 8th, 2020, literally right before the pandemic, like everything got bad. There has not been one day that I, I miss it. Not one day. Um, and I, you know, I feel bad in a way. Cause I'm like, what does that mean? And I think it's just that I'm content. 
I'm happy, as I said, professionally, but it was also on my terms. I wasn't fired. I wasn't pushed out the door. Like I went on my terms and over the course of 12 years, I accomplished everything that I had set out to do back when I was in college and I'm proud of myself. And I think it prepared me for that next step where I am now. Um, I don't regret being in the business. It's a wonderful business, but it's also very difficult and it's very challenging at times. And we're, you guys know we're on TV for just a small percentage of the day. And behind the scenes, there's just a lot of stress and angst. Demand. And demand from managers. And like, it's just nice now not having to stand outside in snowstorms for seven hours or get MOS. I hated getting MOS. Like, you we know, all do. yeah, it's hard. I mean, some stories, you know, were easier than others. Like if there oh, was yeah. people would talk, but if you're asking someone, you know, Trump's impeachment to... trial, um... yeah. <laughs> or give us your thoughts on Biden or Trump. No one wants to talk like so literally like it's just it's uh, the stress is gone and it, it's it, it's just it's I, i'm i'm happy but you know i understand that there's people who love this business and and they want to stay in it and that's cool too like if it works for you but i just think some of us we inherently know after we've given it enough time that it's time to move on to something else you we talked a little bit about the demand but how much did the industry change how much how many more hats were you wearing as you know, your years went on in the industry, um, the demand was changing, but was the pay changing? I know like expectations get higher, but still no, the same. The, the pay wasn't changing at all. When I got into the business as an intern into 2007, it was right when sort of like there was that transition from everything was focused on just the TV and we were getting into social media. I watched it over the course of more than a decade change and the demand did grow. You know, I would go out on a story and it wasn't just stand in front of the camera and relay facts. It was you need to do a Facebook Live, post an Instagram video. You need to send us a video to put on the web with the web version of your live shot that you're out on. And you need to send out tweets. And are you doing this? And are you doing that? And then these TV stations are adding newscasts like they're nothing. So instead of being live every 30 minutes for two and a half hours, now we go on at 4 a.m. and we don't go off until 9. And it's just, and then after that, you're expected to go find a story and put it together for the noon broadcast. And it was just becoming so demanding. And then we would sit down for these contract negotiations. And most of the time they'd say, we can't give you a raise, sorry. But the company that owns us is making record profits. Or they'd say, we can give you a 1% raise. And that was the end of it. And so after a while, and, and, and I don't want to complain because since I was anchoring, I was making good money. But it, 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 at times it was difficult. And you're like, I at least deserve a little something here in good faith. And I was getting sick. I mean, for four years, I had not received any rates whatsoever. Wow. So. Now, listen, what was it like uh, for with your friends? Um, because we all say when we first graduate college, you know, you and your friends are not making that much money. But as you move up the ranks, you know, you're expected to make more money. For me, I'm 30. So I have friends making like six figures. And I'm like, I remember when this guy was getting drunk every night in college and he was making more yeah. money than me. And I, I know how hard I work. Did that uh, factor in at all? So I did feel like I was a little behind 
the curveball a little bit because I was at these points in my life where, yes, I was seeing friends making 80, 90, a hundred thousand dollars a year. And I, I mean, I'll just say it. I'm in Maryland and my starting, I was making $32,000 a year to start. And I honestly feel like where I am now, I, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy with what I'm making and everything, but you kind of feel like you're a little behind in terms of catching up and savings and doing things because you were making just enough to live. Whereas friends were, you know, they were buying luxury cars and they were going on vacations and I was able to do that, but I'm kind of like, you know, I have this passion and this is how I have to start and I'm going to make more money as I go up in market size. And I, and I did, but it wasn't as quickly as I thought it was going to be. That's the other thing. People think that everyone in news makes $350,000 a year. If you're an anchor gone are those days. I know so many friends at the networks at local news, there's anchors that are making hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not close to a million in some of these top five markets and the station gets rid of them and they hire someone who's making a fraction like gone are those days of those high paying jobs they don't exist anymore no because it's such a cutthroat industry they and people are leaving the industry they'll take whatever they can get at if they don't have to pay you as much as that other person exactly and not to mention they're also hiring one man banders who like people who go and they shoot they write they i'm so grateful i never had to do any of that but there was for the longest time at my station in connecticut talk about that happening and i'm thinking to myself i want to be a journalist like i don't want to be out schlepping with the camera and doing all that like because it takes away from your ability to craft a story and to talk to people Thing. Yeah. So you're not even a reporter. You're an MMJ, uh, an MMJ, multimedia journalist. That's what all the really. all the and, job descriptions are. And that's a way for them to save money because then they don't have to hire a photographer to work. Yes. Yep. So or they spread out resources. So yeah, they literally won't put reporter in your contract because if they put reporter, you should have a photo. Yep. Yes. It, it, exactly. Is there a solution to this problem in the industry? Honestly. I don't know, because I feel like things are changing and we know people are sort of migrating away from TV a lot, you know, especially like our generation and younger. And I don't know. I, I just I I see it getting to a point where it's it'll plateau, but it's just going to be come about putting bodies in position, you know, and I'm seeing it now even here in Connecticut, you know, to work in Connecticut before you had to have at least two or three jobs in other markets before you came here. And I'm seeing people who literally graduated college, went away to a, for a year in a small market and they're coming back to Connecticut and it shows. I mean, I, I people will say to me, what is happening to the state? Like the caliber of the people they hire, they're right out of college, they can't formulate sentences, which is no fault of their own. They're taking advantage of it. But the the standards that once existed are are being lowered. And I think that, we're just going to continue to see that happening. And as long as these companies can hire people like that and pay them half of what they would someone with five, six, seven years experience, that's going to become the new standard. In my opinion, I don't see it ever going back to what news was in the seventies, the eighties, the nineties. I would have to agree with it because my second station, everyone was hired straight out of college and it was market. I want to say 70 um, but I came there and it was always so funny because I accepted the job, um, because it was during the pandemic, it was the end of the pandemic. 
Um, companies still had hiring freezes. I knew I wanted to get out. So I accepted what I could take. And when I got there, people would say to me, like, I don't understand how we got you. And I'd be like, what do you mean? They're like, you're, you're good. Like, how, how do we have you? I'm like, I settled. Because now, <laughs> now, now it's all these college producers and they don't know what they're doing. Right. And you would see that too in the writing and, and just the overall ability. And, and again, it's no fault of their own. I mean, in a lot no. of managers hear these people and then they don't properly train them. Yeah. That's, yes. Yeah. I mean, they just I expect it to happen like that. Yeah. And when I anchored the weekend evenings, you know, I, I would have producers who were like, had no experience and I kind of would be there, but I would like be training them and helping to groom them and teach them a little bit, at least give them some sort of guidance to set them up for success because everyone just, you know, throws people in there and then expects them, you know, and then if, if I read a script on air and some manager would say, well, why did we say that? And it's like, because the, the producer who has no experience who you hired wrote that, like, go talk to them. It's, you know, it's just, um, it's, 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 it's challenging. And this whole conversation just validates why, um, you know, I, I knew it was time for me to, to leave. So what is yours? Trying to think of the craziest thing that ever happened to me. Um, there, I, 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 there's never been, knock on what I never had anything like major happen to me. I think the craziest thing that ever happened was I was in Maryland and my photographer and I were out driving around one day doing a story. And um, we went over the br this bridge um, and we the car started shaking a little bit. And we were like, oh, maybe there's something wrong with the tire. Who knows? So we kind of go over the bridge and we come into this town that's on the water. And we see people coming out of the, the, the buildings, like people like running out, walking out, looking up in the sky. And I look at my photographer and I'm like, Mark, what the hell is going on? And so we pull over to the side and we say to these people, we're like, what is going on? And they're like, didn't you feel it? It was, there was just an earthquake. And we're like, what? And sure enough, like there were buildings cracked, traffic lights swaying, people all over the place. So we're like, this is Maryland. Like earthquakes don't happen here. And I remember calling the TV station and the managers were at a retreat that day. So it was all these like young producers. And I said, hey, do you guys know there was just an earthquake? And they were like, well, we heard, but we don't know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, there was an earthquake. Everyone's saying there was an earthquake. I said, I think I need to shift. This is my story now. And they're like, well, you should continue working on what you're working on. And it was some like dumb story. And no. I, was like, I was like, this is my story. I have hundreds of people everywhere. I'm going to get MOS. We're going to get video, like talk to the managers. This is what we're doing. And sure enough, they called me and I ended up being the lead that night during the five o'clock newscast. With all, I had MOS with like 20 people. It was the best thing. I think that was like the craziest thing. And it, and it really did show. And that's the one thing that I liked about the business, how quickly stuff can change and how you have to pivot and you have to be able to sort of adapt and to identify when something is a story. Um, but that I think was like one of my craziest stories that I've ever done. I mean, little things have happened over the years. Um, and I'm sure you guys have heard a bunch of other like things crazier than what I just explained. But there's there, there was never really anything major that happened to me, thankfully. Um, the only other thing was I went to Ireland for the station and we got robbed and had all of our equipment and passports stolen while we were there. That was, that was the other. <laughs> thing i can think of wait wait what do you mean wait, that, wait, that, that, wait. yeah wait wait 
the earthquake that was in 2011 because yeah. I was at home in Baltimore when that happened. I remember that because we all ran outside of the house. I thought the house was going to like cave in. So I remember the 2011. Dion, may maybe Brian interviewed you. Maybe you were MLS. <laughs> it was 2011. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then how did this stuff get stolen? Wait, wait, wait. No, yeah, no. Yeah. Let's back up. The station paid for you to go to Ireland. That's where I'm caught up at. So, so we, so the TV station was basically sponsoring this big statewide St. Patrick's Day parade. We had gotten back the sponsorship after losing it for years. And so I kind of went to management at the time, the old management that I jived better with. And I said, Hey, um, the Irish airline Aer Lingus had started flying from Connecticut to Dublin. And I said, why don't we do a story with them, go to Ireland, do some stories that have Connecticut connections, and then we can air them during our um, parade special. They loved it. So I reached out to the airline. They flew me and my photog over for free. We did a bunch of stories. And we had to do uh, one of the stories was on the airline. So we had gone and we had interviewed the CEO of the company. And then we went out to like the perimeter of the airport. And we were getting video of um, planes taking off and landing for B-roll. And our car was parked 20 feet from us. We had all of our stuff in it because we were switching hotels. And we go back to the car and everything was gone. Um, somebody pulled in, it was like an area where you could park and just watch the plane. Somebody pulled in and they stole all of our stuff. All we had on us were, was our clothes. And I had my cell phone in my wallet and my photographer had his camera and that was it. And they wiped the car clean. Our passports were stolen. Um, we had to call the police. I had to go to the embassy and get a new passport. We got stuck there. We had to call someone from the BBC who had to come give us camera equipment so that we could finish shooting. That was that was crazy. Till this day, I don't know what happened. My photographer forgot to lock the vehicle, but literally the car was in eyesight and we never saw anyone take anything. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe and rate us on whatever platform you're listening to. And of course, visit us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube and come back every Wednesday for a new episode.